Make It Breakable is a consulting firm that assists manufacturers in creating products that break quickly. When your customers throw away one of your products because it stopped working prematurely, it means they'll need to replace it, and that means profits for you. Take the simple example of a can opener. We'll encourage you to make the can opener look cuter while helping you lower the functional quality of the opener. Lower quality metals, lower quality plastics, and lower quality adhesives. An all-around shitty can opener. But consumers will buy the can opener because it's cute, and when it stops working after three months, they'll just say, darn it, that can opener was so cute. I better buy a new one. At Make It Breakable, we believe consumers are dumb and lazy, and they'll never catch on to the fact that you sell crappy breakable products. Matt, you're in Denver. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm such a wimp with the cold weather. Like it, it, it just bothers me. The the cold, just just day to day cold with a little breeze is just so so demoralizing. But exercising, not when it's freezing, but like 30, 40 degrees after like ten minutes, feels so good to exercise in Colorado for some reason. It does, man. But it's good here, and I saw you went to see your That's son. Right. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about, it, but dude's a baller. It's Matt certified. Uh, I don't know if he always plays like that, but he hit about seven threes in my face, dribble penetration, and I could just see in Lance's eyes, it wasn't enough. It was was not enough to make him happy, listeners. But he shut up. I could see the pain, but he shut up. He just let his son ball. It is never enough, is it? But I could tell, like, you're not, you haven't fixed the issue. You're just shutting up. Like, and we'll never fix it. You're just learning how to deal no. with it, right? Like, you still no. have ideas about what he could have done better on a play. Are you still the idea that, yeah, well, that team sucked? Like, subconsciously, they played a team that, that wasn't that that strong. And it was like, yeah, you went for 30. But could you do that against X? Yeah. It's like, it's, and those things, right. like, I'm I kind of starting to think it, it won't go away. But right. it, it's like, if you're with, you you marry or date someone that had like an old boyfriend or girlfriend they really liked and they go, I don't I forgot that person in the back of your head. You're like, they're always probably thinking about that. It's like something that maybe you might can never come to terms with or something like that, you know? I don't know. But you did a good job. And you looked, yeah, you looked you. really happy. Like you were enjoying the, the thing at least. It, was, it wasn't this horrible experience for you, which you see in some parents. It's just they can't enjoy it. You look like you were enjoying it. Oh yeah, I always enjoy. It. But it's good to have you guys there to talk about because it's funny to just to just rap about hoops with you next to me, and your brother was there. Yeah, and it was just fun to watch. You know, I'd like to see your kid play too and have the same conversations. Yeah, it's good, just fun. I mean, I I was we went down to the rec center last night, Trails Rec Center, and and Lucas sought out some some one on ones. Some kids that weren't weren't that great, but nice enough kids. And I still, I was running suicides. Like I ran, t- and I'm just watching them, and I'm like, man, he just keeps he keeps rolling back right every time. And and I just was like, Jesus Christ, like who cares? But but I just I'd be like, I'd run back, go left, man. Uh, but I didn't I didn't get too too in the weeds with it. But I just could tell this is just a something you have to deal with as a parent my older brother his kids were his kids were like in these these ski vacations or uh, ski vacation ski ski tournaments for like big mountain skiing these kids mm. are badass like doing backflips off of cliffs and shit my bro i said how'd it go my brother texted me like they basically like they didn't find the right line and he's like i can't imagine how they can't find the right line in these competitions they're skiing so good it's just it's just so funny mm. like it's so unavoidable, but it just—I just laugh because I'm like, 
even it's not just like hoops or like a team sport. It's just you watch your kids and you go, ah, could have done that better, you know? Yeah. So yeah, well, it, it'll be an ongoing uh, struggle. Uh, I'll have the listeners know that I paid for lunch for Matt and his kids and his brother. And I know yeah. that last week's episode, uh, you know, probably got people thinking I was a cheap ass, but I paid for lunch, people. Let your guilt be my benefit is, is what, <laughs> what I felt like. No. His, no, his was wife fun. was like, who's this guy? Look at money bags. Wow. Oh, it's okay. To, it's okay to, to buy Matt lunch, but we can't have two ice creams when we go out with the kids. They start a huge yeah. fight. I'm no. just kidding. Just kidding. It was great, dude. I appreciate it. I think people knew that episode. I probably said it more than once. It was tough for me to get naked about finances. But thanks for interviewing me. I enjoyed that. And it made me process a few more things about how to move forward. Why do you think that one, I noticed that one got like touched you a little bit. Even texting you afterwards, you're like, yeah, I don't, I, I hope it sounds okay because I, I feel, I, I could tell that I'm still insecure about it or something. I think you said something like that. Like, what do you think it is? You still, you still get, you still have feeling when people judge you about the way you're living. I don't know. I think it just gets to the heart of purpose and meaning, and it takes a lot longer to explain than <laughs> the length of that episode of like why somebody would choose to do that. But um, yeah, it, it is ultimately it's about folks, you know, coming away with some judgment, and I think it's just more complex than that. And that's the worry that I didn't communicate the complexity. So. I do want to mention though this week Lance texted me that which I think like if anybody I talked about is like forty five percent that's fucking ridiculous as a savings rate and they texted me this week that he was listening to some crazy podcast about a dude that's recommending sixty five percent of your salary it's like <laughs> so you're even a failure in that Lance you could have done know. better huh? yeah sixty five percent is I mean it just feels regardless of your salary is a point where you so you're sacrificing thirty years of your life now or whatever it is to 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 have a better life in 30 years where you might be older. I think people might look at it that way a little. You know what I mean? Like you're not enjoying your life in your prime years so that you can be relaxed in your elderly years or something like that. Right. And and that is the case. I mean, that can be the case. Yeah. If you're not, if you're taking it too far, you're too extreme. Right. Uh, I think we had a pretty balanced approach. So good for you. Man. All good. Thanks for lunch. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. What'd you have? Did you, was it good? I ordered uh, off the kids menu, just consciously thought I should keep it under, well, it's the US, so the kids menu, I decided I'll keep it under 27 bucks for, for a mini <laughs> hamburger and three, no, I had a I had a regular, a bacon cheeseburger. I always like to get burgers when I'm in the US because they don't do that very well in Costa Rica. Sorry, Tico okay, friends, right. but these, uh, they do these Putting tortas, they're called, burger. yeah, but they'll buy like frozen tortas with like frozen hamburgers and then it's like, just, just. Get your meat, hand, hand. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but do it by hand. And so it was good. And and the sports bar, like I'm so conscious now of what life is like in the U.S. Like I go to a place now and I'm like, I couldn't get over how many TVs are in, were in this this sports bar. Like oh, I can't get over it. It's fucking like a hundred. And and huge big screen TVs that look like perfect. Like the person was, you know, we're watching a hockey game was in the room with us, like 8K or some bullshit. There was like 50 of them. It, it, it was just ridiculous. I have a lot of people down there telling me, like, you should open an American-style sports bar down here. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I feel like I would ruin. Yeah. It would, there's something. Would, well, would, 
you know? I don't know. A lot of people think Alzheimer's is hereditary. I think it's uh, the rise of sports bars and all that stimulation. <laughs> it's just shutting people's brains down. Tease, episode 14. <laughs> Why sports bars uh, are ruining our society. Yeah. yeah. So so this week we, uh, we're we having uh, Sheila on. She's a psychologist, but that's not why she's on. She's talking about her own issues. And we're, we're talking about what seems to be pretty hard for most men is expressing love, not only for one another as, as friends who have a strong connection, but just for aspects of life, like using love as a, a bit of a guide for how you roll or, or what you participate in. I feel like it's a, a like... The issue is like how we accept it, you know, because that's like gets it going a little bit. I don't know. You think about love, how we give it, you know, how we give love, but like accepting it can be really awkward. Like, are you one of those people that are you are you like when people give you a compliment, you, are you, that's not necessarily an act of love, but like, can you take it or does it make you feel weird? Are you just like, yeah, I know. I've been on the spectrum of feeling weird about it forever. Yeah, that's that's where it starts. It's like a compliment might not just be an act of love, but it's a, some sort of act of, of uh, gratitude or some sort of acknowledgement of your skills. And then love, accepting love, is it can be hard. We're not very good at that. Right. So, But we'll talk about it. Yeah, we certainly will. No, and uh, I think it'll be a good episode. Because she's definitely about, what do you say, two, maybe three times smarter than us? Well, five times than you and two times than me. <laughs> she okay. has a lot of perspective. She has a lot of yeah. perspective. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll commit to that. Because deep down, you don't think women can be smarter than men. Right, Matt? Right, Matt? I've right? Living in uh, Latin America in a really Catholic old school society. So it's not me, <laughs> listeners. It's it's. <laughs> you know what's funny is Borat is one of my favorite movies. And I think they, they, they talk about... <laughs> about there no i don't what do do you you, let's get into that let's get into that could do you think the signs of being in touch with your emotions as we often identify women at being better that is a sign of intelligence or or weakness that's how some Uh, people look at it right is like oh well you're gonna let your emotions get in the way of this deal or whatever she can't be a firefighter she'll be tearing up at the (laughs) sign of tragedy yeah no it no it's a sign it's i think it's ultimately strength it doesn't mean that men need to express it in the same way yeah but uh i think the struggle i'm going to have with this episode is what's what to title it because if i use some jokester title it's not gonna do yeah it's not gonna do it justice uh, but if I put some, you know, Brene Brown fucking vulnerability is the key, then it's going to turn off the meathead. So it's going to be a real balancing act, Matt, a high wire balancing act to title this thing. I think it's you should you should figure out a way to make the title connect to what is what happens when you live outside the country, you come back and you realize we're we're just inundated with with sort of self-help and, and solutions. And so the title should be something like "Find Love" on on episode thirteen, but you can be more creative than that. But it should almost be like an infomercial type type level because that's you. you I just can't get over it. Like just the amount of like ED advertisements and and self help shit is like it's crazy. Like if you listen to the radio or watch TV, you're just inundated yeah, yeah, yeah. with it. And that's what this episode is. It's it's a way for men to find love. 
and it'll give you step-by-step how to, what to do, and how it relates to getting laid. And that's why we brought Sheila on, right? And maybe, yeah, maybe put, find love in your butt, put love in your butt. Maybe that's the title. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Damn, damn, damn. Welcome to the Middle Age Man News and Trends, Matt. Our first article comes from today.com, Dr. Brenda Shoshana. Men express love differently, Matt, according to Dr. Brenda Shoshana. A man saying, I love you may mean I'm offering a commitment. I'm going to be here to do things for you. So for many men, love is expressed through action. And these words are a promise of what is to follow. Simply by saying these words, men feel they are agreeing to be there, to give to her and support her. And if they don't do it, they'll feel like a heel. Matt, let's explore the word heel. What does it mean in this context? Heel, H-E-E-L. Uh, I don't use that word that much. I guess H-E-A-L is, is the act of healing or getting better. Heel is just like a tool, I guess. What, what do you think it means? I just think it's like, oh, he's the heel of the party. It's like a tool. Not a guy that, that can't express love or only uses the expression of love to to get what he wants. Turns out a heel is a despicable low-down fella and somebody that has no decency or honor. It's a scoundrel of a man and treats women badly. And so you don't want to be a heel. It's basically the the deal there, buddy. We teach here. We teach on Seniors 94 too. Don't we, Matt? We teach. There's some sense of subconsciously women encourage men to be heels and they and they somehow gravitate to men that treat them badly that happens why is it, that i don't it, i don't know we'll uh we'll ask uh we'll ask sheila dude we should i don't know we should we will yeah is that in the past or the future i don't know yeah. no one knows yeah well i feel like i failed you with that prompt there was probably something better but this one's hard for me though. The heel thing—I don't know. I don't know. Did that—that that was in the article though. She put, "You don't want to be a heel." It says if men don't show up to support, or if they don't follow through with what they consider to be love, they'll feel like a heel. They'll feel like a dirty scoundrel of a man and who didn't show up for their woman. I don't agree with it, but you know, you I, didn't take it anywhere funny and that's the problem. You don't agree, here. but aren't are you an action guy or words guy, my friend? Or do you like to hear both? Like I'm way more of an action person. Like, I don't know just the hearing someone say, I love you. I don't know if it, it doesn't mean as much to me as like actions that, that are acts of love. I'm action too, mostly, but I'm not going to feel like a scoundrel of a man if I make a mistake and didn't. Dishonorable. uh, Yeah. So settle down, Brenda. Settle the fuck down. The word, I don't know why, but the word of honor is very amusing to me. You know, like just people that are like, I'm doing this for honor or protecting her, her honor. It's like, it's a little medieval, a little too Braveheart for, for me. Yeah. There's no honor in today's society. I mean, exactly. Like where where can you find any honor? A lot of honor in that spreadsheet, Matt. Great, great job. There you go. There you go. Cut out all the other bullshit. Take that. I and, think and also heel is a is like a 
Heel is like something they said in the 40s, wasn't it? Like when they used to use the word gay as, as just for happiness. It, it was yeah. no sign of sexual orientation. It's like, right. oh, I'm feeling gay. Sun's out. Like, uh, yeah, heel's old. Yeah, heel. That, that's why that prompt didn't get to me. Because I'm a modern guy, dude. That's why I have a podcast. Fuck. I love to say the F word. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Exploringyourmind.com is where this next article comes from. According to this article, many men still have a problem expressing love. And so it can be important for their partners to pay attention to nonverbal cues, Matt. Number one, does he have a fixed gaze? Does his gaze follow you wherever you go, even in a crowd? Number two, does he look at your lips or raise his eyebrows or smile at you or touch his hair? Number three, does he put his hand on the lower part of your back? And number four, does he lean towards you when talking? Matt, I get the feeling you and I can start a site without any behavioral research validation whatsoever and just start telling people what to do. Completely ignoring this article, what advice do you have for the listeners of Seniors 94 to love more? This psych sounds more like the expression of you'd like to get get a piece than actual affection. Like, does he put his hand on your lower back? Does he grab your ass when in normal day-to-day conversation around the water cooler at work? Uh, then does he, he sneak his hand down your pants attempting to <laughs> FB? Let's bring it back. It hasn't been in this episode in about uh, eight weeks, dude. FB. FB. Nope. Nope. Nope, not going there. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> he leans towards you when talking. Like, this all sounds like some creepy shit, which uh, which is a sign of love. Yeah. It, it, it's another BS article. And, you know, I think it's more fun to pull out the, the dog shit articles anyway. So let's move on, though. Medium.com is where this next art- article comes from. Author Harris Weeks. Some telltale signs an older man is falling for you, Matt. He wants to spend time with you. He's interested in your life. Wow. He he asks questions about you. He's honest. He's not afraid to show his emotions, and he makes you feel special. Matt, blah, blah, blah. The bar is apparently very low for men. What's something you do to show someone you love them. Tell us. None of these. I think this is ridiculous. He makes an effort to spend time with you. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> He's interested in your life. I, 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 you know, like, there are women out there that occasionally you'll meet, like, at work or something. They're like, I just don't understand. I can never, I can never figure out, like, if a guy likes me or not. And he, the first thing on this list, he makes an effort to spend time with you. That's actually coming from a man. I feel like this is like secret advice <laughs> for the women listeners. That's one of them. Like uh-huh. we don't we don't like to talk about it, but that's one of them. He makes an effort to spend time with you. Leak it out. Leak <laughs> it out, dude. That's a big one. The man might be he's interested in your life. Like the guys just like blah 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 yeah yeah. Are we going to fuck or not? You're like, "Yeah, I had a <laughs> I had a weird day at work that. Yeah, yeah, stop." Don't want to listen to it. Are we going to fuck? That, that might be a sign that maybe he's not actually falling for you. So that's, that's, that's good advice. He asks questions about your work, your friends, and your family. 
he's supportive of you. I would I would also caution ladies, don't don't go too deep on those. Keep it simple. He asks questions about your work. We're looking for something like, yeah, it's fine. Okay, mm-hmm. good. That's about all he can take. <laughs> he asks questions about your friends easy there because he might be trying to hook up with them. And then if he asks questions about your family, just say you don't have one. Like I, I lost my family in a car wreck or something like that. That's That will endear, your, endear you more to the guy. If you go on and on about your mother or something like that, you're probably going to push him away. He doesn't want your words. Yeah. He, <laughs> right. Does not want to hear about your family. He's open and honest with you. Again, a lot of skeletons in the closet for most guys. You might not want that. You want to be open. But honest with you might just lead to him telling you shit that makes you scared. Uh, so you don't want that. He's not afraid to show his emotions, and he's always truthful. This is cool if you want to spend your life with a pussy, no, I would say. So <laughs> careful with that. He makes you feel special. Yeah, check your ego at the door. You're not that special. That's my that's my advice. There you Bravo. go, ladies. Take it. And that's mm-hmm. the middle-aged man news and trends. It's Pre-Stained Sheets Incorporated. Pre-Stained Sheets are manufactured with artificial stains resembling dried urine, blood, and other bodily fluids. No longer do you need to get mad or frustrated when family members make a mess of your bed sheets. My son pees the bed, but it ain't no thing, cause pre-stained sheets are already jacked up. Buy pre-stained sheets and take comfort in the fact that your sheets already look a little nasty. All right, welcome to the men's room, Matt. What is up, dude? Say hi. Hello. I'm in Denver, so um, very cold, but it was good to see you over the weekend, dude. I I would like to update our listeners that I went to a a basketball game with Lance, and he was very calm. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, you know, we got a weird setup. Matt's got the mic completely in front of his face, so we're going to try to deal. But we got an exciting guest. We've got Sheila. She is a 30-year psychologist, so she can really, uh, you know, course correct us, like all of our ideas. I think that's going to be good. And That must mean she started when she was nine, by the way. Yeah, yes, she's been, yes, yes. She's very young. Uh, soften her up, soften her up, because she's probably going to, from feedback I've gotten about her podcast, she she definitely picks on you more than me. I'm just going to say. I was going to say, it's kind of obnoxious to do that sort of fake flattery of women who are in late middle age by pretending that they're a lot younger than they are, like going to Whole Foods and having somebody say, what would you like, miss? I'm like, I, I'm not a miss. Don't call me miss. Just, right. you know. What's yeah. the what's the right word? Actually, that's a, in Spain and down where I am. If you There's a big difference if you call, you go, senora. It's like, what the fuck? What am I, middle-aged, older <laughs> woman? But then you then if you call someone senorita, it might be like a, offensive that you're like, like, a little too machista, like hitting on them. It's like, well, what do you want me to call you? Exactly. Come on, man. I mean, just Your name. Yeah. How, how can I help you? That works. Dude, I like when somebody calls me sir, because I'm like Jack Nicholson, a few good men. I'm like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's because there's not a diminutive, a diminutive for men, right? Uh, there's right. no version of young boy. You know, like it. It's like if somebody says somebody who's not that much older than you, so it's not a generational thing, and they say young man. What would you like, young man? But it's not uh, the same because there's not all the gender I'm, stuff. About I'm that. totally down with a young man. Somebody calls me that. By the <laughs> way, right? I'm okay. Right. All right. Anyway, sorry. No, we're good. Uh, so you're doing healthcare data analytics now, and you've been a friend of ours, uh, my wife and I, for 20 years. Yeah. Although you wow. were probably suspicious of me for the first 10, but we've gotten closer over the last 10, I think. Right. Uh, and today's episode will be interesting because it really it's like an umbrella for a lot of what we've talked about on Seniors 94. And we're going to frame it as ex, uh, expressions of love. And so I think of this, at least in the context of this show, is men in particular struggle outside of romantic settings, struggle to express their connection with each other. And we know there's a, what, a loneliness epidemic. We know by statistics that a lot of men are not doing well. There's a lot of young men that don't have a lot of friends, don't even have romantic partners. And so this idea of how do we express ourselves or express connection is important and will be a great uh, conversation. The other aspect of it is what did we say, Sheila? We want to talk about, oh, yes, how love as we age becomes maybe more important in terms of um, what guides our life and maybe how we connect to humanity overall. And Matt has no ideas. No, he did. He has some great ideas that we're going to just try to riff on this, guys, and get into it. So without further ado, expressions of love. What comes to mind immediately for you, Sheila? What I would say is that... I've been interested in this because I feel like there aren't a lot of ways that we learn when we're growing up or when we're um, raised by it. I guess it depends on the family you're raised in, but I don't think we get a lot of instruction or modeling in how we make sure that the people we love know we love them other than some really defined kind of acceptable paths for that. So mm -hmm. romantic partners and then, you know, your grandparents, or if you're in a particularly open family, maybe your siblings and that kind of thing. But I feel like other than those typical areas, there's not a lot that we have to go on as we grow up about how we really let people know that we they matter to us and we just kind of fumble around with that and i feel like if that's true for me as a female where i might have had some opportunities to be at least have it be okay if i was letting my friends know that i loved them i just am really feeling like maybe as a as men that would have even been less of something that you got any kind of go ahead on or any kind of modeling for. And that feels really sad to me because at this point in my life, my kid is now a freshman in college and my day-to-day -day life now has all this time in it. And if I didn't have the relationships that I have with the network of friends and people who matter to me, if I didn't have that, and if those weren't relationships where the caring flowed really openly and where... Mm -hmm. It was really clear on both parts how much we each meant to each other. I don't know what I would be doing. And I'm barely 
I'm barely coping with the change as it is, but mm -hmm. it's, it's those relationships that are really the anchor for me at this point. And a big piece of why that's an anchor, I think is because we're really clear with each other, how much we care about each other. What, what does that mean? Sheila, like you see, like you're constantly telling each other, how, like a lot of hugs or like, what, what's the, what is the, is it always through, uh, I don't know, traumatic events that you're able to express love? Like, all right, my friends, I don't know car broke down on I-70. I went and picked him up at three in the morning. Is that an act of love? Is it stuff like that? Or is it more just like, hey, Lance, besides your commercials, I care about you, man. Or, or like, is it expressing <laughs> it? Like, what, what, what is the act of love that makes you feel like you're supported? The acts of love? Those are great questions. And I think it's a whole bunch of stuff. It's, um, it's things like, if somebody tells me they have some kind of big deal coming up, either bad or good, I will make a note in my calendar so that, because otherwise I'd totally forget it, so that I reach out to them on that day and say, hey, you know, good luck with this, or how did that go, or whatever. It's things like making sure that they know that I'm someone they can call if something happens. It's saying I love you at the end of a phone call where we've connected well. It's... Um, can I interrupt you too, Sheila, because I consider you to be quite literally one of the most, if not the most thoughtful person that I know. It's not subconscious. It's not, as we say, hardwired. This is stuff you work at. You actually like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I have worked at it. And uh, yeah, I figured out one of the few things that I feel like I figured out when I was a teenager and otherwise a real kind of mess was that the people in my life were going to be the most important thing to me, the relationships that I had with people in my life. And so I've, I've built that and I've, I've built that with people who are also receptive to building that. But yeah, so it's taken conscious effort and a conscious decision that that was going to be part of, you know, one of my big values, one of the ways I was going to live in the world. Absolutely. I want to say something like, uh, I got a friend and he listens and I, I won't say his name, but he's six foot six. So he'll know. But early on in our friendship, he was, he wanted to always hug, like bear hug. And he'll say, I love you, brother, and stuff like that. Stuff that I struggle with, to be honest, like it, to give another dude a hug like that. And not just the man hug, but a, the real hug is, was tough. And I used to like think the dude was cheesy or weird. And it's not until hitting my forties that I realized I like that. That's like real masculinity, real toughness. There is his ability to kind of come up and be like, I love you, brother. Boom. Hug. Uh, so I find that interesting in, in the context of what you're saying, because over time, right, as we age, I, there is a softening and there is a I don't want to call it a desperation, but a need to really let people know, like, hey, you're important to me. And I don't think, Matt, I don't know what you think is, is you and I in our 20s. I think, shit, we wrote letters to each other in college, dude. Um, but I don't think any, either of us would have been like, I love you, brother. God damn, I miss you so much. So what say you? I, I know that I get, I'm get. i getting a lot more affection that way from men uh, since when people found out about my separation, job loss, and mm -hmm. my graying hair. Like people have reached out to me and been like, I'm there for you, man. Like. I, I don't know. Unfortunately, these a lot of these things have to happen when when some something shitty happens is when you find these things out. So, but I, I think some of that's cultural. I, I mentioned it on other things, but when, have you ever watched like a European soccer game? 
like the way those guys greet each other, you're like, these guys, they're going to fuck on the field. Like, like they'll kiss each other like six <laughs> times hugs and they're completely open about it. You're like, they got to get a room. Like this is going too far, but, the, but it's, it's a cultural thing. I have, because where my kids go to school, I have French friends, like kiss a guy on the cheek three times, but it's, it's more like you're touching cheek. You're not like actually like licking their face or anything, but it's, it's a sign of affection. That's just part of everyday life. Even when you greet somebody in Costa Rica, you'll give them like a, you'll, you'll touch cheeks. And I think that probably is subconsciously encouraging a little more love, a little more infection in, in the culture. So I think in the U.S. it's more like be a man, shake their hand, you know, or, or something like that. Or even mm-hmm. to the point where if you did that with somebody else's like girlfriend or wife, there might be some jealousy aspect. Like if you greeted them a little too much, like European style, it might be like, hey. So, right. but, but I have seen so many people since I've been the last six months that have actually done kind of what Sheila was talking about. Even you, like, hey. A lot of it though is like, hey, if you need someone to talk to, let me know, and mm-hmm. you, and then you you take that as an act of love, but you don't take it as a call to action. You just go up. There's somebody there, but I never just call someone and be like, dude, I I feel bad today. Only you actually, but I but I'm forced to because of this successful podcast. <laughs> but I never just call you and be like, dude, I feel terrible today. You right. Know? So Can that's I- a little different than love, but yeah, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to circle back to what you were saying, um, Lance, about how you if when you felt really uncomfortable with that person who was, you know, being so expressive and clearly the things you were responding were defenses. Right. You know, what is this? Mm -hmm. This is weird. This is uncomfortable. But what I'm curious about what you make of those constraints, like what was that that was signaling to you? Wow, this is what was it about it that was so uncomfortable? Wow, I'm on the couch here. Yeah, I baby. know where you're going with this, no. Sheila. I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, say it, Lance. I am. You know, it's a great question because I was I was trying to reflect on that prior to the show. I didn't come up with any good answers. I don't know. I I mean, I guess I could unpack and go. Maybe it's like, oh, that 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 isn't normal. That's not what I'm used to. That maybe feels like it's a little too far for me in terms of how men express a connection. Cause like for me to be like, yo bro, and give you a, give you that man hug or I pat you twice on the back. And it's, it's, uh, it's like with this, uh, like a front handshake with a, like yeah. a one arm around the back, just kind of like a bro yeah. hug. Yeah. I'm letting you know, I'm letting you know we're good and I appreciate you, but you know, to go full in and embrace, it was just, it's different. I can't, I can't, I don't know, man. My childhood wasn't, it was a little weird. So it's hard to know if there's anything there. I just know it was uncomfortable and that now, no, I, I, I realize it as it's like a meaningful thing to me. Did we hug when I saw you on Saturday? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think so. We hugged. Yeah. And yeah. I could feel you pulling away from me uncomfortably. <laughs> I was like, yeah. dude, I haven't seen you in six years. Come on, bro. I mean, but that seems like a normal place to hug. Well, you guys think just the hug is a sort of an act of love? I guess it depends how it's done, right? I mean, I speak about my, if I speak about my experience, I was never a hugger. And so my childhood was also super complicated. And um, I was on the couch now. Raised by wolves, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was never a hugger. And then I got involved with this group group of people through some social group. And some of the people were serious huggers, like 
they met you once and they're going to hug when, you know, when they're leaving and then hug every time they see you. And at first it was really, um, it felt really weird. I think for me, it was because for me to really let that in, to not just go kind of stiff and sort of be like, wow, that person has no boundaries, um, was to make myself vulnerable. And at that point in my life, early, mid twenties, I was not in a position to make myself vulnerable to just any old person. So I just wasn't going to let it in. There was sort of this internal uh, wall that was going to stay there Um, because to do anything else would have been to let a level of vulnerability happen that I was not on board for. So I don't know if that's at all related to what you might've experienced with this. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about, there's so many weird things that I do without thinking about it. So with women, I'll just do the side hug. And I don't know if that's, I've probably done that with you, but just any woman. And then I also feel obligated to hug a woman for some reason. And even if they're close or not, but it's like this weird side hug, it's not like a full on. I don't know why that is. And then, you know, with men, that full bear hug, that that still is just, it's just odd. Mm-hmm. But I can get through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think the um, act of hugging or what does it say? Does it say anything or is it just a social norm? Is it truly an expression of love or how would you define uh, when it is an expression of love or just some, something we do? I guess it, it's a great question. I guess it depends on how I'm feeling when it's happening, right? Am I doing this maybe the way that even Matt was describing the European kind of obligatory, no matter what situation you're in, you're going to do the double cheek kiss. It doesn't mean anything other than just that's right. kind of a polite social norm. And so I guess that could be the case in some situations where, you know, maybe you've been with a group of friends who all know each other and then there's kind of one extra couple of people who aren't part of the group and you're hugging everybody else. And so then there's always that kind of weird decision about whether you go in for the hug or not and whether they're, you know, and with those people, I I don't know, but it depends on like if in your heart, and this is a a piece that, that maybe we'll get to at some point that is related to the other dimension, not simply expressing love, but how we live within ourselves about whether my heart is open at that point, like whether I'm softened into it, you know, whether I'm really soaking in that I'm giving this person a hug. And with some people, it's a true bear hug and other people, it might be a little more socially distant, loosely clasped, that kind of thing. Um, So I don't know if it's automatically an expression of love. I guess it depends on how you're, I don't know how you are with yourself, within yourself when it, when you're doing it, I guess like with anything else, you can say, I love you and not have it really have any depth of meaning at all. Right. You know, what does it mean for you then? What, what, what are the things that you would do with friends to express true connection? Sounds like know about the important events in their life, track the important events of their life. That's a big one. Um, I, my main, you know, if you want to get into the pop psychology thing about love languages, probably one of my main love languages I realize is acts of service, but specifically, you know, I love to cook for people. I make food for people. That's a big thing. Um, just randomly will bring good food to people say, Oh, I made an extra lasagna. You know, I brought one over for you. That kind of thing. I do that. Um, I, reach out to people. Um, I, I make time for them. 
that's a big thing, making sure that I make time for, for people that they're a priority. Um, I know we've talked about this and I know it's kind of a funny difference that we have around houses and the size of houses we want to be in, but uh-huh. I make sure I have a guest room that people who I care about would want to stay in because I want them to know that if, you know, their kid, their teenage kid is passing through Denver and they need a place to stay that they're going to have a good place to stay and that it's really welcoming. Yeah. So I make my space welcoming. Um, and then mm, we're, letter, it used to be writing letters. Now it's cards. Nobody writes cards anymore and I don't even hardly very much, but. That's a thing that I will do. Just put something in the mail to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, saying kind of something thoughtful. Yeah, a lot of things. Do you think any of those strategies are viable for men? Well, do you think that like socially accepted, I should say, is a better way to phrase it? Yeah, because I mean, I guess I would like to think that those things are all pretty human and it would be really lonely if you didn't have anyone in your life who it would be okay to do any of that with. Right. So I guess I would say probably there are people who would not even know that they were missing that kind of warmth until it showed up. And so maybe that's something that you start to offer and then see what happens. And people might be like, whoa, I having you you know, remember the fact that my kid was having surgery tomorrow and then just sending me a text to say, you know, I'm thinking about you. Like that was huge. And I didn't even know that that we could do that. Oh, we can do that. And then you kind of give permission to the other person and then see what happens. Right. I uh, think about just talking to Matt and obviously Matt's been going through some stuff, but we'll talk. But then we also give each other, I'll give him a little favor of, of relief because I know it's too much sometimes for guys to get that deep. And then we got to throw in like cock, pussy, some, some stupid fucking word to just kind of yes. loosen it up. And women don't have to do that. Like they just don't do, or do you, do you do that? Like, is there, uh, do you need a relief valve when it's just getting too lovey or too connected? I imagine it probably kind of naturally ebbs and flows, but I don't know that, there's a reflexive kind of flinching from the moment where you recognize, oh my gosh, we just got really into something pretty intense. But you have to understand like most of the people that I talk to, it's less true now, but for a long time, almost everybody I talked to was another psychologist who was really comfortable with intimacy and silence and that ebb and flow and didn't need to kind of pull back and be like, Oh, okay. So, you know, wake it. and sort of pretend <laughs> the intimacy didn't happen. Um, so see, I'm making see. a skewed sample on that front. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I have to have that. I mean, I do. Yeah. But, it yeah let's dive into that. Yeah. Like, so, because I think Sheila, if I'm not wrong, some, some of what, uh, like, so what Lance is saying, you know, he's saying in a positive way, it helps him get into a conversation or keep him on the rail, so to speak. And same with me. That's also like an act of deflection in a way where you're not like addressing the feeling. And I feel like I like what well, basically what Lance is saying, like I can't go anywhere without that. And I, and I was listening to I think it's a uh, what do you call it? Like a, like I think a lot of comics are like that. I listen to interviews with Dave Letterman now who's very open about his life. 
And in the middle of talking about like his relationship with Jay Leno or something, he'll make the most self-deprecating like <laughs> deflection of what's going on. But it keeps him on the path. Yeah. And I mean, every person I ever dealt with, like in comedy is the same way. You could be they're talking about how their mom's going to die and then they'll be like, make a joke of, about, well, I hope I, I hope I get her Mustang or, you know, or, but, but more <laughs> like, so what is that? But not not that you want to come on here and give free free therapy, but like, do you think that's like a nervousness reaction, like tick, or like a a, a good way to address it? Because it works for us. Because I mean, Lance and I have had conversations before and after the show where I'm crying, and I'm being very open, but I'm also making dick jokes and and calling him a pussy or at, like, <laughs> at the same and, and vice versa. Uh, so, yeah. I think it's are all- we are we ruining ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> What is that? I mean, I think I think a lot of behavior, maybe most behavior is potentially neutral kind of in its own right. I mean, some things are just obviously not neutral, but a lot of things are neutral and it kind of depends on what it's being used for, what it's in the service of. So I would say that if the jokes come in every time it even threatens to get a little intimate, it's probably in the service of keeping distance there. And then that mm-hmm. might not be what you ultimately want and it might not be that useful for you. On the other hand, if you let yourself go there and then the joke is to do what you guys are describing, which is to kind of yank the thing back on the rails so you can keep going, then it's really helpful mm-hmm. and really useful. So maybe it's about just paying attention to whether it's keeping you from the <laughs> connection that you might want or if it's actually helping you maintain the connection that you might want. I, I can't really turn it off. I, I see this with everyone now, like with my kids, like even they get sick of it. But I'm like, well, it is I'm, that is what you're gonna have to deal with for another eight years. <laughs> or every single conversation I have, I, I'm like these 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 sort of like tags we call them are running through my head mm-hmm. like every mm-hmm. second. Like I can't mm-hmm. stop. And I I don't know why. I mean, if you're, it sounds like you're more aware of it now than you would have been. And so it's easier to stop automatic habits once we at least even know they're happening. But I would say that I'm just stopping it. Like it's not, it's the same. It's the same. I feel like with the, with this, with maybe you feel like I noticed this with Lance because he's now trying to control himself at his son's basketball games, but the passion and energy is still there and the ideas and feelings. I could see it in his eyes. He's still like, fuck, do that, you know, and he's just turning it off. Like he's just not saying it, but it's all the feelings that are pissing him off about are still there. It's the same, well, like I, right. I I'm mean, like, part of growing yeah. up is is learning how to let the ebb and flow of all the crap that goes on inside of you not necessarily show up in your behavior, right? So, mm-hmm. I guess it would be. I, I mean, I okay. So I've seen a difference. I don't know if you're going to want to keep this in here, Lance, but yeah, I've seen a difference over the course of your podcasts where, at the in the early ones neither of you would let it go for more than a couple of seconds into something that felt kind of more real or vulnerable without yanking back out with, you know, with the, right. the humor or whatever. And I feel like- What humor, the- Sheila? Say what humor. <laughs> Matt's humor. <laughs> um, but over the course of the, the episodes, those, um, those moments have got those little- um, dips into vulnerability or something real or or whatever have gone for longer and longer and that that's changed and it's more satisfying to listen to because it feels like you're showing up as people more and so that's not like you've stopped being funny or stopped having that instinct but 
it feels like you both have gotten better tolerance for letting but yourself it just happened eat. again if you we can re recreate you say and it culminated in longer vulnerability and then i was going to make a joke about it culminated in uh <laughs> an hour 47 i mean i i think you're hilarious matt and so i i think it's it's it is so fun to listen to you and uh, to both of you and it's it's just about does it satisfy you like when you are you know, when it would you, are there times where you would rather feel a greater sense of connection and then you see yourself maybe in retrospect, but over time, if you pay attention to it, you would notice it more as it's happening. Take that choice where you're like, oh, I just, I'm going to take the off ramp and then right. feel that sense of, oh man, I missed a chance to let that sit for a minute and there would have been more connection there. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, the but you but you you've been sorry right. you've been it's not, I I missed a little bit because my internet dropped. I'd come to the U.S. to get shitty internet. That's great, <laughs> but uh, but you sound like you've been really self-analyzing this and making these conscious choices of how to display and receive love, which probably in a way you were like when you were in a different way than making stupid jokes, but deflecting it like so you've act you're actually going through the process yourself, right? Hundred percent. So. Oh my goodness. Did you already talk about it with Lance? Like what, when that happened or, or what? Cause okay. I see when Lance makes these jokes and I'm being vulnerable and I am as some sort of act of love too, is how I receive it. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but like how, what, what happened? Like, why did you make that change? Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a, 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 a big story. I mean, Lance, how many years was it before you had any sense of kind of my history? I mean, I, I feel like I remember sitting at your house and, up in conifer and i just dropped you know in a line about something about my psychotic you know foster mom or whatever and mm -hmm. <laughs> you and sarah were both just like right. and i had known you guys for a long time by then so oh my gosh this has been a lifelong journey i was definitely someone who was completely sealed off and did mm -hmm. not let myself be vulnerable either in terms of receiving or expressing caring for so many decades. And at the same time, like I said, early on, I figured out that people really mattered to me and that I wanted to, that that was going to be kind of a key piece of, of how I lived. And so I fought for a long, long, long time to get to the place where I could even have this kind of conversation. I was telling Lance last night that a few, even 10 years ago, if somebody had said to me that I would have on my bulletin board in my office, something that, you know, this prompt that says, what can I do from a place of love as my response to how, when I was struggling, I would have been like, oh my, like, yeah, like you said, Lance, just make me like, okay, I'm going to gag now. Um, so it's been a long, hard. My impression of you, and I'm just thinking back, it's lost so long ago, but you, you just seem so controlled, like so controlled and it's it's hilarious to me and it's uh it's so awesome that uh, you're having to kind of convince uh, my wife the value of this podcast sometimes but it's so awesome to me that you're listening to this and enjoying it because you now compared to back then is it's so different mm -hmm. from what i would have expected and mm -hmm. just you can drop right. into any sort of conversation now with the mm -hmm. same thoughtful vibe but also like you're not going to get hung up on 
uh, you know, whatever Matt talking about his mic as a dildo, which I don't think that would have been the case 15 no. years ago. And, no. and maybe that is because you've just opened yourself up to, I, I would say maybe more messy connection. Maybe she's gone too far. Is that what you're, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Let's pull I mean, it back in. Julia. I've done a crap load yeah. of therapy and, <laughs> and, and what, as far as what happened, I mean, I just did a ton of therapy and I finally unlocked a whole bunch of stuff that was keeping me so controlled. And you're right, Lance there now, there's not a lot that I won't talk about with people. I mean, there's not a lot that I hide from people. I, I I have a, my, one of my good friends has a son who's in his late twenties and, and he's the kind of person who will sit down after not having seen you for six months and say something like, all right, so what do you think happiness really is and how much of it do you have in your life? And (laughs) I'll just talk. And, you know, that's the kind of conversation we can just have. And he, he's asked, I mean, there's just, there's not much I won't talk about. It's massively different, but I've also worked my ass off to get to that place. And maybe what happened in some ways too was having a kid. Um, because I really, uh, I needed more to go on in raising my kid than just do the opposite of what my parents did. Like that really Mm -hmm. wasn't going to get me very far. I mean, it was a good guiding principle, but it just wasn't much to go on. And so I did a lot of work to make sure that my kid would know down to his bones that he was valued and respected and loved and that I had his back no matter what. And I figured out at some point that unless I made myself vulnerable, I wasn't going to be able to offer that. And so maybe that was it. I don't know. It wasn't, you guys talked about epiphanies maybe in the last episode and, and I don't know that it was really an epiphany, but it's been a, just a freaking lot of work for a lot of years to make it to the point where maybe not an epiphany but what sorry was there a moment where you just said man i'm an asshole or like (laughs) basically you know okay so no not precisely although yes i've had plenty of moments where i felt like i was an asshole but uh but i there was a point where um lance i don't know if i ever told you the story i think i have where uh you know my um uh i used to go to las vegas sometimes years and years and years ago and stay at the bellagio which is, wow, that's a place. Um, and so one time I was sitting at the bar in the main lobby and just people streaming by like all the time. And I noticed that as everybody was walking by, I was kind of cataloging my response to that. I was sort of like, your clothes are tacky. You, you know, you don't look good in that outfit. You, oh, mm-hmm. that, you know, look at this family. They, they, they're obviously, you know, going to spend way too much money. I just, just nasty, just judging every single thing about every single person. And then occasionally somebody would walk by who had, you know, the, the perfect outfit and not over the top and really looked really physically fit. And I'd be like, all right, you're okay. You go pass. And I, at that point, I just, I realized I was doing that and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And so I had this moment, the epiphany piece, I'm getting to it was to, I was like, you know what, what if I look at each person and I just think to myself, uh, something about I'm going to I'm gonna like see you as a human and I'm just going to say in my heart, I love you. I have no idea where that came from, but I, it occurred to me to do it. Like, I'm just going to, I am going to make myself, I'm going to open or soften my heart in some way. And I'm going to take you in and just, and just offer that. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty amazing actually what happened at that point 
And that this gets back to the piece that you guys were asked, talking about earlier about, you know, when people aren't necessarily lovable, right? And what do you do when, yeah, you love somebody, but then it turns out they're really, you know, problematic in certain ways or they're wearing you down or whatever, which is that I don't think very much of this is about the object of, of, of our love. Like, I don't think very much about this process of expressing love or having it be part of how you live has much to do with the qualities of whatever you're, whoever this is directed at. I think it has a lot more to do with just what you're, how you're holding yourself Mm -hmm. and what you're offering out and, and not really about like, do they tick enough boxes to merit you loving them? It's Mm -hmm. like, no, they're, they exist. The world exists. These trees, everything, it exists. And so, yeah, it merits me Mm -hmm. opening myself to it with love. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. 20 year old me is just going, Oh, well, well, and I imagine that some, that was great. Some men and some folks that listen to this are like, what? I'm just going to open up my heart and I love everything. Look, look at, but it doesn't mean you like everything. I know. Look at the fat homeless man who's pissing on my uh, house. I love him. Man, the man got out of that is I gotta go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I, I gotta go to Vegas. Yeah. That's where it happens. No, that that's that's so obvious. I how it starts is not not that you start loving the homeless guy. It's like yeah. if you get to some pl- point where you're not just not judging everyone yeah. is is the base of of where it starts. Well, and like, cra- and cracking open your heart because if you're if you are judging somebody what you're doing is you're making distance that's the f- act of judging right is you are turning them into other and oh, yeah. you are you are creating distance and putting so, them on the no list right like nope yeah, like you said like oh, yeah, yeah exactly no. and i think if you stop then if you if you experiment with stopping the no and stopping the distance it's not that you right it's not that you like the the thing or the person or 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 whatever it's more just you stop creating the distance. What does it mean if you just let someone or something in without defending, without without closing your heart off from whatever it is? I think that's where it starts. Have you met anybody? I mean, we're all getting into the back third of our life, and, and there is a process of I think opening up, If uh, although there are some people that never gain any wisdom, but whatever. Uh, do you think that there's an age aspect to this? Because it does feel like youth, boy, really thrive on that figuring out who you are and that judgment piece maybe has some value, but it also is toxic over time. It really, it really can throw you off of a, a healthy, fun, enjoyable life. But do you think there's a piece of this that you come to maybe naturally with age? I don't know. I don't know. Um hmm. You know, well, you mentioned you had to be a parent, maybe to experience yeah, some parenting of this. helps. I mean, you you know a geropsychologist really well, and she'll tell you that you know people who are mean when they're young are mean when they're old. I mean, there's nothing necessarily about getting old that turns you into kind of a nicer person or you know makes mm-hmm. you more open or whatever. Maybe it's more likely to create reflection uh, as you as you get older, but maybe you get. I don't know. Let me throw this out because I don't know very many people that roll this way. Do you? 
Non-judging, you mean? Just like like, opening themselves up with love to all that comes into their life. But but a lot, if you meet someone like that, most of the time it feels like an act, like some hippie bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe, okay, I need to just, I need to just say like, I do. Yeah, I don't get it. You're like that. But you know, the people are just like, woo, yeah, (laughs) peace and love. It's like, you're being selfish. Stop going to fucking yoga and get a job, you know? Like, I am not sweetness and light. Okay, that that I can tell you. I I I will tell you that I'm plenty of people. I think to myself as I'm walking through my day, like fuck off, right? So it's not like I walk around like that all the time. Um, but I I do feel like the people who I've been willing to continue to invest in my relationships with are people who are at least interested in going more you know, having more intimacy than just talking about like my plans for the weekend and whether I'm going to travel in the next few months. Right. Right. So, I mean, I have cultivated relationships with people who are willing to make an effort and who wouldn't just completely write me off by hearing me talk like this. But as I've aged, I've stopped really kind of caring whether people are turned off by hearing me talk like this. That's the thing that's come with aging. Ah, yeah. How many people you've, you have that relationship with that you, you can, like, like, are we talking about five or 50 or like Oh, two? I don't, yeah, I can't maintain relationship with 50 people. I would say, I mean, somewhere between six and 10, maybe. My number one right now is my dog. Like, he's, he's, he's number one. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't talk, I don't back. know. He doesn't give you advice. Like, I, I have noticed lately, I don't know if this counts as love or, or this is where, where we put this, but. Have you? I I'll have I have a lot of conversations now with complete strangers that are very, like affectionate. I, I don't mm. know if that sounds mm. too like, but like, I'm trying to do that, mm-hmm. which might be part of that not judging people. Just like, hey, what's up, man, and not walking away. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, not just hey, what's up, but being like, what are you doing? It might be like, man, you you're really doing well playing basketball, and then ask five or six more follow up questions, and those are like. I get a lot out of those, which aren't like this intimate thing on my top five list, but like, but that's part of like, if if I can talk to those people, then, or even like, you know, you'll get a text message from someone you don't know well, or feel like they're asking you for something, but actually engage. You're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to walk through this, Mm -hmm. you know, like those things have opened me up to, to other stuff. Totally. Cause you're not putting that distance in you're not just making it immediately like, you're, you know, I'm keeping you completely as far away as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. I see it too as, as some sort of, if you, not to get religious, but what the good part of what people talk about Jesus of, of like him as a person and the, the good qualities you could take, like the real basic thing, if you strip out all the religious bullshit is just somebody who walked around and didn't judge people negatively and talk to everyone. And, and mostly talked about like, how it would be nice if we loved each other. Yeah. That's I'm stealing exactly. the line from Douglas Adams, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not oh, there. I'm not there folks. I'll be honest. Here we go. I'm not there. I, I need oh, it. What? It needs to be channeled. Like I can give lots of love like in, so as a, as a, as a coach, for example, <laughs> to the parents of the kids, like there's something there where I can, open up and be like, Hey, your, your son is just doing so great. He's such a great kid to be around and you guys have done. So you're really sharing that to me is an expression of love, but walking around, I'm just constantly like, what the fuck? Okay. What the fuck? Look at this. Like, fucking like dude. go to an airport. If you want to fall out of any sort of love, you just like, especially when I come back to the U S I have to be honest, 
I fly from Costa Rica to Houston or wherever, and I'm like, oh my god, dude! Like, can someone stop eating? I, I get all these like, ju- I start judging the U.S. for instantly just just people consuming and like and just walking around anger angrily. It's so the culture seems so so angry. And then you get to Colorado and everyone's like a little more like, mm-hmm. but then Colorado people feel very selfish. Like they're, very, they're always taking care of themselves. Yeah. Like, uh, like, I got to go like, for a bike ride for three hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Regardless of how it affects, but, but yeah, that, that's all. It's more but like I want to ask this. Yeah. Like Sheila, sorry. Mm-mm. You can. So, and, and Lance too. So the early version of Sheila that was a little more cold and a little more like reserved and Lance, this person that's walking around pissed off. Are those, is that an act of selfishness or is it a, is it because of something that happened in your life that you're like, you're more reserved out of some traumatic event or cause it comes up cause people think, ah, oh, this person's an asshole They're selfish. They don't want to talk. That's how people, that's how you come off when you're like that. And even if you're just shy, like I was a pretty shy, I'm always been a pretty shy person. And like, so what do you think that's like, it's, it's, you seem selfish when you act like that, right? Like, what is it? But you weren't big. You weren't acting when you were very reserved when you were young, Sheila. You weren't. You don't. You weren't doing it from a selfish place, right? Like, I mean, I it was in the sense. Do. I mean, only the sense that my uh, like, without getting into it, but kind of all my early learning was that the only way to survive uh, and be safe was to keep yourself uh, to only rely on yourself um, and to and to keep yourself from being in a position where people could hurt you or where you had to rely on them. So it was all about self-reliance and uh-huh. survival. And so we just self-contained, like contained, I would say controlled lands. Yes. But really mm-hmm. contained was maybe how I thought about it for myself. And yeah, it totally came across as like, yeah, I might've been nice. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't like usually act like a jerk, but I, what you, you're kind of, you couldn't really get very far with getting to know me. I don't think. Um, and that was just survival. I mean, I had to, I had to basically undo that by learning that I didn't need to keep myself in that place anymore. Cause I could take care of myself. I wasn't, I wasn't actually, um, dependent on people to make me help me survive. And so I could, I could kind of unbend maybe. So that was for me, I would say where it came from. Yeah. Uh, that's probably common. I mean, I felt that way for many years as well. And I think, folks are struggling with that. And I'm curious about this next generation that is having problems doing basic things like flirting. And you'll, you'll see this like ghosting approach to when something goes wrong, I'll just like, I'll just shut you off a Snapchat and I don't, I won't talk to you, but yeah, that is, that may be part of the journey for, for folks that have had some trauma or just have had some weird stuff happen in childhood. Who knows? It's keeping yourself safe. I I have a friend who does therapy with folks with severe combat PTSD and, um, he's, he's in the, he's in the six to 10. Uh, and, uh, he says that, you know, that he experiences when, when people have, you know, been through some stuff, you have these drives for security, affiliation and control. And for me, for many years, and for a lot of people, the drive for safety or security, just, just kind of, um, overshadow the drive for affiliation. Like I, I was more important to me to be safe and self-contained and not affected by people than it was to, um, to have people close to me. And it, 
it took a long time for me to kind of dismantle that so that I could not have that get in the way from me being close to people the way I wanted to. And Matt, you said that's where you were kind of at, like in our early episode, or even when we were talking, you're like, yeah, I just, uh, you're like, yeah, my wife's like, you always, you need to go out and hang out with friends. You're like, I don't really need anybody or I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I just like, uh, well, it would be like, Hey, this my, I met this lady who's, who's, whose husband is also from the U S you guys should hang out. And I'd be like, it's 300 million people up there. Most of them I never liked that much when I was there. Like there's, <laughs> there's no reason why this guy, but I, I like, I don't, I always, I was always cool with like, I don't know, activities of, of, uh, isolation, like running or surfing or, or I, I don't know. I think I just got to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to hang out with my kids and hang out by myself. And then I'll see people at social events, birthday parties and stuff like that. But I'm not, I don't need to have some like go hang out with a guy or something like that. And, uh, but I, it's not that I, I mean, I go hang out my, my friend, I go play po- poker with him or go out to drink or something, but like, I wouldn't, I wasn't really like sinking out new, new friendships or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's interesting though, what you, what you guys have just said, it reminds me of someone I know that like, I, that their parents died when they're really young and then they're probably, they're constantly seeking control and safety subliminally and but then they get accused of and probably being diagnosed as being like a narcissistic person mm-hmm. and almost to like clinically narcissistic which i guess is apparently you can diagnose people with that but that's probably un- unfortunately that person can suck to be around but it's something so bad that happened to them it's almost like not their fault like mm-hmm. but but it's it is what what it is you know like that that's just what you made me think of when you were talking sheila like that person probably had some that's probably one of these which leads down this path of like unable to really give or receive love if it's not completely on your terms in a in a safe mm-hmm. place or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. right i just deflect that i guess because lance you're asking about me but uh yeah yeah you did but dude i just like surfing man sorry <laughs> doesn't mean I'm, I'm mean but i'm but i would you probably think this lance i'm pretty social as far like i'll never be someone who some everybody likes me and they will always like me. Damn, damn, damn. So I'm not, I'm not like the, I'm not sitting in a, in a, in a place where someone's like, "What's wrong with your, your friend, man? Like he won't say hi, he won't engage in a conversation." I always do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just was, I'm not, I wasn't looking for like, I, you know, maybe my wife had some guilt, like, "Why you're down here in Costa Rica? You don't have your old friends, your comedy buddies, or college buddies, or high school buddies. You should." Tr- I want. She wanted to help me make these relationships, and I just like, I don't, I don't really need to. I, but forcing it like that doesn't always work mm-hmm. either. Right? Yeah, but what what role does su- true support play in your life? Because I'll say for years, I didn't even know that that was something I needed from other men. Uh, you know, I could just get it from my wife. Uh, but support, like like we talked about, you get cancer. Who are you actually going to tell? Yeah, tragedy comes in threes. Yeah. So that's my next... Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? And we talked a little bit about that on episode three, I think. I th- it has been great, though. I, I've, I've realized I have that list, that six to ten, I have it. Yeah. I just had to use it. Yeah. And, and like I have even down there, people that that I'm that I've been more close to than ever now because mm-hmm. of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what turns out is I'm finding all this stuff and shit that's going on in their life that we never scratched the surface of. And they're like, oh. You got separated. That sucks, man. And then, 
here's my laundry list of crap that that I never shared with you. Right. So it the answer is it's very important. And I still don't know how to engage it or like encourage it besides this is not a dumb joke, but having a podcast where I have to sit here and talk to you about this stuff. But it's so true what it, what it's made us uh, talk about. I cannot believe not that we have a ton of people listening. How many people will listen to an episode and reach out to me and tell me some vulnerable problem that that they have. And so that is, you know, it's completely changed me. Like, How so? What What's been the impact of that for you? Well, one is just realizing I, I do have these relationships available. If I would just, just, you know, like engage in them. I have these deep relationships with other men or people that, that are willing to talk about their problems with me and listen to mine. And then it's given me the sense of, it's also given me the sense of like, you're not special because mm-hmm. you're separated or, or you lost your job. Like everybody's going through just so much crap that like, it's given me this sort of sense of like peace where I'm like, yeah, it's all right, you know, shit happens. And I and I shouldn't hold any resentment with my wife or job stuff. I I it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that's where I'm at right now. The next step would be to actually do something. Like I'm I'm in my sweatpants <laughs> right now. Full disclosure everyone. So uh the next step would be to like take action or, or even make even force the issue with some friends where, that have reached out to me where they're like, hey, you want to talk or let's hang out and actually take them up on that. That's so yeah. funny. So t- taking them up, taking somebody up on an invitation sounds like it would be forcing the issue. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> what did I say? No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think that it's just more like it it what what's it's what's what's it's making me think about is like how would I how do I need to act when somebody else is going through this? So I know that just going, hey, I'm here for you if you need to talk to someone doesn't. Right. It's not enough for that person to take right. action because no. I because I won't. Right. So when I say forcing the issue, yeah, it sounds ridiculous. You're right, but also I know that it's not going to happen. You know, like I I mean we use we use like. The Christmas time in Costa Rica is a big time where people start to get together with people and, and birthdays. I made a point to like go out with a small circle of friends and and just and really talk. And but now it's like, yeah, force the issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the next thing. I, that's what's super interesting to me that that Lance was saying about earlier about how there aren't these really built in acceptable ways for guys to move this stuff forward that for you to respond to somebody's invitation kind of vague invitation it sounds like if you need something i'm here for you to respond to them is like a huge step not just for you you personally but just in terms of like what what there are social norms around you would have to go an extra mile to say actually yeah let's get together i i'd love to talk about what i'm going through and that 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 feels like a big thing because it's not normalized yeah. for for you there's something else there though like there's a i don't know what it is with me there then it it immediately feels anything more than that it feels like intrusive and something i have to make up an excuse to not be there and i don't even plan it but i'm like oh well this is aggressive like it, it feels aggressive if they go if they go more than that what is that mm. like it, what do you mean like if they said to you hey I have some time next week. Let's do a call. Like that would feel intrusive. Yeah, yeah, maybe not a call, but someone's like, "Let's we need to go out to eat," 
Or, you know, it might be more like, I know you're looking for a job. I have a friend who works at this place. Send me your resume. Let's all meet up. And then I'm like, oh, shit, this feels intrusive. Like, it feels like I might have to, you know what it is? It's probably like, it's probably like I have, I'm going to have to go set a boundary. That's probably what it is. Uh. This ties into some other issues in my life. But maybe I have, because I'm going to have to go tell this person, like, no. Mm. Like, and then I'm like, I don't know. No, I get that. Too much, but like. Yeah, or even the idea of set, setting a boundary. Like, I don't want to go out to eat with you the other night, tomorrow night. It's like, I, I don't know. There, There is a weight. And I'm not... You, you still have to carry a weight when you um, develop an intimate relationship. There's or effort. To receive love, right? Yeah, there's effort. Yeah. And so, like, when you get invitations of people that, uh, you know, you might be contemplating... God, can I, do I have room for this person or do I have room for this event? And you're like, oh, that's heavy. But I, a couple, I'll give you a couple examples that I consciously did here recently. So episode 10, shout out to Jake. He was on episode 10 and he's somebody I lost contact with was, um, there was a lot of shame in losing contact with him because we were in a band together. But I, I recently was like, after the episode, I'm like, dude, send me some highlights of your kid. This was yesterday playing sports because I know that was important to him. And that right there for me was a, I guess that's an expression of like, hey man, I want to keep in touch or expression of love. And it was not something I would normally do other than, you know, before it'd be like, hey, what the fuck, bro? Oh, damn, dude. Why are you such a hoe? Uh, just a joke. And now I'm like, I want to see your kid. And so we had a little back and forth with that. And that was good. And then another example is I know a, a friend who's got, kind of struggling with his son playing sports. And I just reached out about a recent event and he was just like super thankful. And these are things like I'm actually consciously thinking about, but they they are, they're easy. And I don't know that there's as much weight uh, than we that we think. I don't think it's as heavy as we think to like go and um, hang out and open Mm -hmm. ourselves up. Mm -hmm. But it is a thought I have too, that I think you probably grapple with Matt. It's like, dude, so many people do like Matt and think he's their fucking best friend instantly. It's like, oh, he's really making jokes with me and connecting with me. And you probably have to deal with that a little bit more. The weight yeah. piece of it. Yeah. I I also, I do actually listen a lot, which I find that people seem to subconsciously like. You you wouldn't believe it on this show, but I, I do listen a lot, especially in Spanish. I'm almost always listening. At least it looks like I am. Nothing's getting in. But so do you, but do you think those are, are, uh, I like, is what what is the problem with being like it seems like we we keep talking about what's the problem with enjoying to be by yourself like what's the risk i mean i'm not talking about extroversion here i'm a total introvert i mean i i don't really like big social gatherings it takes a huge amount of energy for me to to connect with anybody who's not kind of really close to me i'm i'm uh, i'm not sociable when I, with random people. Um, so I, I, I have a huge amount of alone time and really treasure that. I'm in fact trying to decide whether I ever want to be in a relationship again, because I value so much being able to have my own pace and time and do what I want when I want and all of that stuff. So I I don't think there's anything here that is contradicting being someone who's really satisfied with, hanging out I want to talk about that I want to talk about that Sheila I'm in the same exact place but isn't that an act of like like 
how do you make it? How do we, <laughs> should we make a decision? I'm not, I don't want to be in another relationship. It's too, it's too hard or whatever reason you don't want to, you should, shouldn't, shouldn't we be willing to let that happen organically if that person walks into our life or like, because I feel the same way. I'm like, and I don't want to expose someone to this crap of like, um, still a dad and my parent, my kids are going to come first. And, and then you, you, you gotta be on my schedule. And, and like, that seems like an awkward way to love. <laughs> and, and, uh, and the other side of it is like, if my wife and I get back together, then, then we still have this history and this speed bump. That's like, yeah. so like, how do you, shouldn't you organically be willing to let somebody into your life? I mean, I haven't made, I don't think I've made a policy that like, no matter who I meet, <laughs> you know, be developing a romantic relationship is off limits. It's more like I am trying to let it happen organically, meaning as long as I feel nauseated at the thought of like, you know, starting a relationship is probably not a great time to be, you know, casting my, <laughs> my hat in the ring. Right. So yeah. But you have uh, acceptance for your, it's sort of like an acceptance <laughs> for yourself that I, I, that may not be something I need because society will tell you, you do. Right. And, and I will say that it is the path deciding that I'm, I am not going to do anything to actively pursue being in a relationship because I mean, I work from home. My circle of friends is pretty small. I I, I have to, I'm going to have to make a specific effort to run into people because I, I, you know, otherwise I just would never run across anybody. Nobody's coming, you know, walking through the door, but choosing the path of like, act refusing to seek that out i will i have had to acknowledge to myself is kind of a closed off path just because it means that i just want my life to stay comfortable and easy and i get to pick that of course Mm -hmm. that's what i want but i want to be honest with myself that it would be more disruptive and challenging and would stretch me to have to accommodate to somebody else after the number of years that i've been on my own and just facing the fact that or at least calling myself on it so if that's what i'm going to do it's like yeah it's because i i want to kind of keep things on the easy path so anyway i'm not sure how we i don't know matt i feel like if you're if you if there is i remember you talking on an earlier episode about um people are advising you to like get back out there which i'm listening to that and being like what the actual fuck like i don't know how many you know weeks or months it had been at that point but that's the advice you're yeah. getting from people. And 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 the idea that you were sort of like, I don't know if like going out and being with randos is really going to kind of be moving me forward in the way that I wanted to right now. Um, I would say that's the organic piece, like listening to that. Like if, if what shows right. up in your gut when that's the proposal is kind of like, uh maybe not, then I think it's completely legitimate to listen to that and not because there's something wrong with you or because it's not a good idea or that you're somehow isolating yourself or something like that. Cause yeah. Right. Yeah. Dude, I think that instead of going out and having sex with them, if you see somebody attractive, you keep that in your head, you get home and you go into the shower. Okay, buddy. Wash, wash the lust off. Of me. Wash it off. Like, Let it go. Like cross, yeah. Cross in one hand. What's in my other hand, Lance? I do not know. I do not know. This microphone. Yes. The microphone. Uh, yes. Yeah, but but you don't you don't want to get too. Ah, I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to talk to that attractive person, or you know, like. But I just know that it. it 
it doesn't happen. Like, I think the idea of these guys were like, go out and have fun more than, yeah. you know, go out and have fun. It wasn't like, this is the only way you're going to get out of this is to screw your way out of it. Right. But it, it, they're like, if it comes up, but these guys weren't even like, go find random people. They're like, there's people all, all around you, probably like at the, at your kid's school, there's single divorced mothers that, that probably hook up with you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's the way to do it. The plow through the mom. Yeah, no, there's something like an 80, I don't know. I, I like it. it. There's some crazy proportion. <laughs> of relationships that are the first relationship after a divorce if it happens in the first you know whatever couple of years there's some insane rate of like those not lasting and there's a reason it's because like are you in any shape to to really be developing something real with somebody when you can still say the phrase if i get back with my wife like right if i yeah yeah i agree you gotta be careful so i have oh god I'm I'm not pushing back on both of you, but I think societally too, and I always bring it back to like these trends, but when did people become such a burden? And like you look at the weight or you look at how hard it is to raise kids now with, we get bombarded with having to help control and manage all of their life. And then you look at people contemplating taking care of parents and how hard that is everybody is such a fucking burden and now you guys are telling me i don't even want to have a relationship because uh that's just i that's going to get in the way of my alone time i mean what is going on and i feel it too i didn't say that no i know sheila did yeah that's sheila (laughs) but no it's a but it's i get it it's a logical conflict in that what what we've said today right Right. it might also be a course correction from the myth that being in a couple is like the only legitimate or healthy way to be. I mean, so I don't know. Sure. But do you guys agree with the other people and these intimate relationships? I don't know. There is a perception that they're, they're burdensome because Matt, you mentioned the parents and it's like, okay, I am looking at my parents probably like you are like, Oh, what am I going to have to fucking do here in the next 10 years? Yeah. That, is that love? What is that? I don't Cause doesn't some sound people like define it. love as like, I'm willing to do anything for this person. Yeah. But even in that act, you're like, this is a burden on my life. Like, I and mean, it's a it, lot. It's, it's work. Yeah. Yeah. It is work. I don't know. I think I, I, everything's though. That's, I don't know. Why is it so much better with kids? Why it's is it so not much better for me. with kids than parents? It's the same for you? Uh, at times, yeah. No, I, I totally, I have issues with my kids, like 100%. But like, it. But I think people, and generally people are like, oh, when I'm, when I'm uh, taking care of my kids, it's this act of love and greatness and I'm going to raise this thing that's going to love me forever. And then you look, and then you get to an age where you, you start dealing with your parents and it's just like, ah, Christ. And my parents are still together and they're healthy, so I'm not really there yet. But the as far as having to take care of them, I never hear you never hear anyone like taking care of their old parents just like it's it's some state of joy. Whereas when you're taking care of your kids or you're seeing their success, it's all it's it can be very joyful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know what, but that would be part of what we the umbrella of love is is also dealing with people when times aren't that great. That, that's part of it. I mean, can you have intimate relationships without taking on, I guess, what what's the burden piece? The burden is the, just the messiness of life, the obligation of, it's. I don't know if it's an obligation, but you're compelled to support, to be there for them. And that's hard. It's hard work. 
we get that with kids, we get that with parents, but like even with friends, I mean, if somebody's a mess, like it's not easy to show up. That's true. It isn't. And it is, I think it goes to kind of what ultimately what you're going to value or what your values are, because the, the thing that I worry about kids these days, if we're going to get on that track is this idea that everything needs to be fun. Right. And I've talked to you about this, Lance, and Mm. worried that my kid just mostly bases his evaluation of things that he does on how much fun they are. And loving people or being committed in, in connecting is, is it's work. And I don't know the burden, but it can be burden, but I think it is a lot of work. And yet, uh, you know, I look at some friends I have who have this pattern of, and this is in their friend group as well. They're getting older, they're in their sixties. And as their friends are doing things like having to go through like heart surgery or whatever, being the kind of people who are like, hey, if you need somebody to come stay with you for a week to, you know, uh, run errands and kind of help you get up and down the stairs, I'm here. Or, you know, you're people in their friend group who are dying and who they take turns each spending three weeks with the person. They've got some flexibility because of mm-hmm. their situation. Uh, they're, they're older and so they have some flexibility with their time. But regardless, it's just a value they have. And it's not fun. It's not pleasurable in the sense of like, oh, yay, this is going to be such a great time. Mm-hmm. But it, it's what it's what it's the it's they it's how they show up for those people. And it's not like they do that all the time. I think you have to set boundaries and figure out what you have the energy for. But it is the fundamental orientation, I think, that you can have, which is, yeah, I'm going to be here for you. And it's sometimes it's going to be a lot of work and I'm going to have to, you know, set limits on what I can really do. But. But it's part of the deal. It's just part of the deal. Of the deal of what? Love or just the, of having family? <laughs> well, it's not family. I mean, it's I'm not connection. even talking about family, but like it's it's. I guess yeah. yeah, being having as your value one of your main values. And by value, I mean the thing that makes you that you that you use to make decisions about what you're going to do. Um, be the main. You know, be the relationship, the friendship, or the family relationship or the partnership or, you know, whatever it is, that if that's going to be one of the main things that you use for making decisions about how you use your time and what you do with yourself and your money, um, then it comes with showing up for people when it's not that much fun to whatever extent for you, you're willing to do it. This is a growth area for me because like I see a shit show and I run the lens that I see a lot of things is, is, Oh, that's a problem or uh, just a critical mind in general. And there are family members that I know need my support right now. And uh, there are friends and it's hard. It's hard for me to put that foot in there and go, shit. And I don't, yeah, it's. It is that, hard. That value is, oh boy, that's, a, that's probably the essence of being of humanity or, or of being an effective human is adhering to that value or at least holding that value somehow. But yeah, that, that, that is hard. It is hard. And you know, Lance, like with, with, I have talked to you about the fact that I feel like I have so much respect for your willingness to hang in there with family members in your family who, where the relationship is really hard. Whereas, you know, I have some people in my family who I don't have any contact with because I'm not willing to do that. So, Mm. and I, and I've had a couple of friendships over the years that have just kind of fallen by the wayside 
uh, or where I've deliberately made an effort to just to say like, I just, there's not, this is, it's not healthy for me. It just doesn't, it's too much. They, they, it's all give and no take or whatever it is. So I am not saying that I walk around or think that anybody should or could walk around spending all their time helping other people or just sacrificing everything in their life so they can go and, you know, deal with everybody else's messes. It's super selective. But I guess I feel like it's an inevitable part of whatever relationships you are going to invest in, that it's going to be a freaking lot of work. That's all. Matt, I'm going to have to hold your pecker when you can't hold it to pee. And I'm not looking forward to that, bro. That's what we got to. I've been there, a, a dying family member, grandpa, where you're wiping asses and stuff. What is that? Is that love? <laughs> is that, I mean, why did you do it? I remember you talking about that. Why did you decide to do it? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's love, but you're not like that's not a situation where you're like singing the mamas and the papas. Right, exactly. Singing about love. No, it's I'm like, not. None you're in of the this. trenches, yeah. right? This is not about like, ooh, you know, again, fun and games or, you know, just delirium or, you know, oh my gosh, this is just the, you know, stars in my eyes at all. That's why I think that's a, this is a very interesting point because I have so, somebody else I see is taking care of their mom and there's some unresolved issues there in the relationship and it's always there's always a hint of resentment in every action mm-hmm. but it's something that the person can't stop doing because it's their mom and it's like is that love or is that you know I don't know what the answer is but it's like she 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 or he will say can't well, can't stop it and they'll never be like look you you really put me in a bad place in my life or whatever i have some issues that i can't resolve with you but they're not going to stop taking care of that person you know and it's like i i wonder what it is it's just an obligation like family obligation or 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 maybe it's there's still a hint of love there that they just can't express like it's it's kind of weird and and a lot of marriages probably get in that situation too you know and then it happens with your kids. So. It's back to like what it's in the service of, right? So is she staying in there because is it serving her value of this is family and that's what you do for family? Is it serving, you know, a, a belief that isn't helpful for her, which is that she's only as good as how much she sacrifices herself? Like any given behavior can mean a lot of different things. And it could totally be love, right? It could totally be her value is that the way that you that you care for people is you show up for them even if it completely destroys your own life like I, I, you know it, it totally could be it could be a lot of things how do you get to figuring out what something is serving what the behavior is serving because i've over the years i've tended to attract a few weirdo ass friends like a lot actually like people that have really no boundaries it's a very one-sided they're just unleashing their horrible life on me constantly. And I'm like big brother. So I'm often big brother. And uh, why am I doing that? Like, how do I figure out what that's serving for me? And just so like that whole, what is it serving? Mm-hmm. Is it, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's probably like a hundred therapy sessions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <Dude>, also <laughs> like in my, I have the, I have the same issue, but uh, before Sheila fixes us, I would like to say, <laughs> that all this is so i have such conflict because lance i think i've said it like some of the issues that i've been told in our relationship was me with this 
codependency thing and not putting up boundaries and not mm-hmm. sticking up for myself. But that feels the exact opposite of, I, I think I know what some of the answer is, but like it feels, yeah, I, you know, the exact opposite of what we're talking about of being vulnerable and loving someone and taking them as they are and letting them into your life. And it's like, I don't know, there's a, there's a conflict between like just telling that person to fucking stop you know, and, and then also being open and loving and letting them in your life. It's, 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 there's a hard balance there, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the, ba- like the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, those people you're talking about, I had these weirdos that just have no boundaries and do this and think it's, a, it's normal. Naturally, you should probably be like, look, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And it, dep- it it's sort of like, if you're going to invest in the relationship, then the way to, main to make the relate to help the relationship get healthier so it'll last and if you want to do that would be to set that boundary right that's not i don't think it's in conflict with behaving in an open hearted way it, it's just that those may be just like their own threads right one is you're being open hearted and you're not cutting you know you're not closing yourself off from people but at the same time there may be relationships where if they're going to be healthy you got to set some limits and that's not that you're Look, not Matt. I love you, but I'm not giving you a hundred bucks for an eight ball at three in the morning. Doesn't mean <laughs> right. I don't love you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know many men in particular that can do that. Cause this to the, to a lot of guys is sounding like some Brene Brown shit. Like, Oh, you know, just vulnerability. And if you're truly vulnerable. Uh... And that's where it's so, I think it's so fucking tragic. Right. Because guess what? Like you are wired exactly the same way that I am. You've got tear ducts that function. You have, you know, need for warmth and affiliation. There's all temperamental differences in terms of all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I just, the idea that, right, that what Brene Brown is talking about would seem to be ridiculous means that you've got such an uphill battle to figure out how to like let people in and create connection that feels alive and meaningful and amazing and it sucks because of all that well well, there's a there i mean there's a whole narrative for men that like and we've talked about this some some point um no 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 we don't connect like women do and you know we're gonna go on a hunt together and i felt this i guess i supported it too like it you know to have a good relationship it has to be channeled right we're gonna be on the football team together, we're going to be doing this and that. I don't know that that's serving many of us well to have that narrative. Let's go conquer something together. Let's go, uh, the young people, let's go find some chicks, dude, and we'll tap. We'll tap that ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is how we connect. There's a, it's sort of fake. Or like what you were saying earlier, maybe it's that it works maybe when you're younger to some degree, but maybe with aging, it's sort of like, really, this is all there is? Like, maybe there's something, maybe I'd like to, you know, have a deeper, something more, I don't know, alive with people or real. I just want to be real. I just want to be able to, like, you've talked about, you know, the idea that you being, showing who your quirks are. I love this podcast for you because I feel like you get to just show exactly who you are, take it or leave it. And the chance to have connections where people are really, you let people see all that and see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. But maybe at 20 or 30 or whatever, that just wasn't, there wasn't really much, you know, room for that or a sense of need for that. I don't know. 
but yeah no i need it now and i think we all do and i all the people we've had on this podcast matt all the guys you can tell it's like it's enough they need it. enough is enough i'm not gonna just i'm not gonna fall into those tropes about how men should be I wonder, do you feel like th- this is the opposite of what you guys just said? You were kind of saying we are wired the same, but it feels a little bit about these these things. Like most men need it like at a big picture level. Like they're just not connecting and all this stuff. And women that are connected need it on a like circumstantial level. Like their son, their son got diagnosed with cancer or something. Like they need that support in that instance. Where, where all these, some of these men just feel like they're just generally fucked up and need like a whole lot of work or like women, like the guests we had on the women, the other, the other one we had on had a specific event going on in her life that she needed some like support, but was generally well balanced, mm-hmm. you know, like it seems like men now are just not well balanced. Like it's not like because some specific things mm-hmm. going wrong in their life, mm-hmm. they just don't have a way to like express anything. And, uh, which is kind of sad, mm-hmm. but so let's end on that. All right. <laughs> Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, you asked about um, how uh, you know what things are in the service of. And yeah, I mean, for, for people who want to or can afford or have access to, you know, decades of therapy, like that was my route. Took many, 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 many years. Uh, but honestly, I mean, probably how you, I don't know, probably how it feels. I use words like aliveness along with the word love that would have made me cringe 10 years ago. But um you know, if, if you're doing something for, you know, say the example of the person who's taking care of their, their parent, like Matt, if you were taking care of your grandfather and you had been eaten up with resentment every moment of every day when you were doing that, that might've been a clue that you weren't like clear heartedly, you know, doing this just from a sense of like, oh, well, he's family and I love him and that's what this is about. Right. There might've been a clue that there was something else that was driving you to do that. And so, or if you, right, if you went out and, you know, slept with six different women or whatever, you know, and, and guys that, or or guys, right. And, and that you came away from that with a sense of like (laughs) vitality and aliveness, that would be really different than if you were like, oh my God, you know, what the hell was that? I, I don't, again, I don't think that most behavior is inherently in the service of one thing or another it's just how we use it and usually maybe how you how you how it is for you to be doing that stuff gives you an idea of what you're using it for or where it's coming from or what it's what it's really serving right yeah like why this always seems like the entry point for me and i don't know if, if therapy always works like this but like you talking about what you're going through and how 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 hard it was for you to like get to a point where you're you're not this cold horrible person that you were 30 <laughs> years ago. Uh, I was a like, total bitch, I'll tell you. Yeah. Then it, yeah, you. but that that makes me go, all right, this is this is relevant. It's not just like heavy-handed advice or someone listening to me ramble on you're like, "Here, let me let me let me cast my line here and then you can see how like so that seems like a good angle for either friendship or therapy in my opinion is is somebody like exposing their their issues Mm -hmm. so uh i don't know if that's the way it always works but like that that resonates more with me than just like someone being like well have you thought about this so yeah i don't know but that i i do i do get i will like 
gravitate to be I, I i think i thrive actually in situations where people have had like bad stuff happen i'm always like like there for them and uh and usually do pretty well on that but i can also kind of get wrapped up in the pity party like self-love it's like oh, this is great we're all everything sucks yeah you too yeah everything sucks and get wrapped up in that like self-loathing loathing festival so i have to be careful with that but I'll, but people talking about their problems generally is like a good thing so Anyways, it's been great. Yeah. It's also entertaining. Like you can make a lot more jokes out of that. Some guys like, I'm doing great. My wife really. There's nobody you'd rather be around than me if you have a problem. Yeah. As long as you're not like, as long as you're not easily offended. Yeah. But, but, uh, what about, so I got a couple of things. I don't, before we wrap it up, I yeah. just want, like, one, I would like us to say where we, you, where we feel most love, like, is it when you're giving it or receiving it? I think that's pretty important because it can be like a selfish act. And then, I think it was nice on the parenting one. We walked away with some actions, which was to shut the fuck up when our kids are playing sports. <laughs> like, what's a good action to do for? Is it like go out, buy some buy some flowers and and noodle dance our way around, peace and love everywhere? Or like, what's what's the action? Anyways, go on. I cut you off, Sheila. But if you had a, a no, I think it's a great. I think it's a great place to go because it it. My thought would be. Or one thing that I do, actually, first of all, when I'm struggling with whatever, when I'm depressed or get too caught up in my own head or feel sorry for myself or whatever, one of the most reliable things that I can do is figure out where it is that I could offer somebody some love. So maybe that speaks to your question about is it giving or receiving for me, I guess, it just helps me it's connect. giving, right? I, I, well, I mean, I, I, and probably that is because it takes more vulnerability to, for me to receive. And so that's my own issue, right? So again, what's it in the service of? So it's not like a virtue. It's just that that's the direction I go. And maybe that's because it's easier or safer. I don't know. But it's where I go. And so one of the things I do is scan and think through my life and the people in my life and think, who... Who am I not as connected with it right now as I would like to be? And so then I will reach out in some way, whether it's just sending them a text or, you know, suggesting plans. I mean, it depends on the person. And that usually regrounds me in whatever, because whatever else I'm caught up in, if I can kind of reground myself in what fundamentally matters to me and do something that that is in the direction of that, um, then that usually is pretty that's a pretty good step for me. So that's one idea I have about a concrete action, but that's just cause that's what, you know, often works for me. Mm-hmm. Wait, what was that? Like to paraphrase it. Like if I'm struggling, I just think about like who, where, what relationships in my life could I, could, who do I want to connect with a little more? Where could I connect or where could I, okay, I'll just say, I will say, where could I be loving, right? Where, where is it? Is there somebody I haven't talked to in a long time? Is somebody I've, want to connect with and I haven't you know where can I connect and then doing it making it you're not calling or whatever and saying and unloading your problems on them you're just actually giving I well for me one of the big challenges still is to display my own vulnerability and so one of the things might be saying I'm having a hard time instead of like the reflexive like I'm just going to keep it all to myself and be self self you know um sufficient so it might be being willing to say uh, I'm having a shit week. Do you have any time? That that might be it. Um, but it's connecting. So the action is basically when I'm feeling like the, my action from when I'm feeling like shit, actually do something about it. 
which would be like like no but but maybe reach out to somebody reach out to somebody when you're not feeling good yeah maybe i mean maybe and then maybe it's asking for help but maybe it's not maybe it doesn't have to be anything about you it can just be like i am going to do the thing that's on my bulletin board right what can i do from a place of love it does not even necessarily reach out to a friend. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to go do something decent. Maybe I will show up at that, you know, at that event where I could help, you know, set up tables or something like that. What can I do for of love? I like that. Like when you're feeling that, when maybe, I don't know, this is pretty hippie too, but when you're feeling bad, do some sort of act of kindness. Well, there's a huge amount of research on that actually, that, that one of the things that creates well-being when you're struggling, it helps with depression. It helps with a lot of things is to do something for somebody else. It, it's, that's a solid, you know, that's as good as like, if you're feeling really sluggish and tired, you should do a little exercise. Like that's just a completely accepted fact. That's why your dog's your best friend, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I think what I'm going to do is let people have intimate sexual time with me. Cause I think for other people, <laughs> They want that so bad. And I think I could help a lot of people that way. So it's kind of taking your advice and what my friends recommend right, there you time go. Just together as, as a way to help people. No, I like it. I, I'll tell you, I don't know what I felt like. I can't, but what I, I, I have a, with some friends, we sell pizza. And a few times after we, like, we still have pizza left over, we just made a bunch of pizza, drove around downtown San Jose and gave pizza out to homeless people. And like the world just seemed very simple and clear for in those moments. This it, is it the like, pizza brothel. You didn't need to give it to the. <laughs> we haven't. We're looking for investors, <laughs> Sheila. If you want to start your act of kindness right right now, pizza brothel. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> or, right, uh, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. It was amazing, and then I was like, "Why would I do anything else? Mm-hmm. This is really better than making yeah. money." Actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't it's not financially feasible but so i'm gonna take that as one of my actions if i'm feeling bad think of a way maybe just be nice to someone and then i can take it further or or useful or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well you do Mm -hmm. it how you want to okay okay you do it how you want to all right all right all right you have to put some utility in it right i'm gonna walk around with a, a a tool belt and just when i start feeling bad and be like hey notice your uh yeah your, win- your window screen is loose, loose right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Give mean, me a hug. Yeah. Give that, me a hug. Yeah. 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 I get it. I think that's a great idea, though. And I and I had thought about it before, but I, I kind of forgot about it. So I'm taking that as one of the actions. Well, I... Whether you like I it or not. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a... We're running out of time, too. I think it's a great place to end. It's very optimistic. And I love, I love, I love both of you. Well, <laughs> I, you know what? I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with a, a quote that I love. That I love. We didn't even get into that. We didn't even have to go down the path of making fun of people who use the word love too much. Um, but uh, Lance, you can do a, you can do, you can do a musical voiceover with this. So here's the other thing. And in addition to the, what can I do from a place of love? The other like thing that I have written on my on my fridge that it was really helpful to me when, when I'm trying to figure out like, I mean, which is like practically every day, like what basically the answer, anytime I'm asking myself, like what the fuck um, is going on or what am I doing or whatever is the Jack Johnson line, right? I love it. Love is the answer, at least to most of the questions of my heart. Why are we here? 
where do we go, and how come it's so hard? There's no better way to say all the stuff we've been talking about than that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the where do we go, go help somebody when you're having, uh, you know, a hard time, or how come it's so hard? It's a life is sucks and living from this place. Like if you do that, it really makes a difference. So Jack Johnson, the uh, the singer songwriter, fucking Hawaiians. Those fucking Hawaiians know how to live, don't they? Fuck. I love to say the F word. Fuck, fuck, yeah. (laughs) And now, Fireside Whispers by Matt Conti. A friend of mine who I believe was trying to pick up my self-esteem as I approach a new era of my life told me that I could actually seduce women just by staring at them deeply with my blue eyes, like I have some sort of superpower, I guess. And as it turns out, she was right. I do have a superpower, but it's a little different than what she said. Turns out if I stare deeply and lustfully into a woman's eyes for like 10 to 15 seconds, I can get them to call security like 100% of the time. It's amazing. After like eight seconds, the flight attendant on my flight from LA to Denver was like, uh, are you having a stroke, old man? What are you looking at? We almost made an emergency landing in Vegas, actually. I was like, uh, so you're saying you're not DTF, I take it? Go ahead and let the pilot know I'm okay. Stick around after the credits for Matt's loving message to Seniors 94 listeners. Seniors 94 is written and produced by Matt and Lance. Jingles, commercials, editing by Lance. Stand-up comedy by Matt. Musical support in this episode, Arcane 77 and Seth Make Sound. A big thanks to Sheila for joining us on the show. Thank you all for listening. I love you, fat fox. I love you. (laughs) Keep that in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing going in, I'm sure. That's why I said it. (laughs)